And welcome to the Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode number 135, and very happy to have with us today a, a an expert on injuries uh, of the, especially in how they f- affect fantasy uh, properties. And that is a Jeff Zimmerman of Fangrass. Very delighted to have him here today. Jeff, how are you? Doing good today. Excellent, excellent. Uh, really excited to have him on and to offer some some valuable insights into some of the situations that are going on today. And you folks are probably very, very familiar with his work at Fangraphs and Rotographs. So we'd be excited to see what he has to say about the situations. We have a number of interesting things to talk about as usual. So we're going to get into some stuff with the bullpen. And starting with, uh, as as Sergio, Romer's, Sergio Romo owners are a little disappointed to hear that he has in fact been removed from the closers role in San Francisco. And it seems like a move that was, that was perhaps on the horizon. Um, and it's, I think it's disappointing primarily because his performance, the, uh, the metrics and, and some other numbers outside say that this was a pitcher who was uh, enti- entirely struggling, but uh, of course the results continue. He blew, he blew three out of his last five save chances. Things have not gone well. Santiago Casilla and Jeremy Felt appear to be the guys who are going to share the role uh, for the short term, perhaps the long term. We will see. Uh, Jeff, what do you think of the situation? Do you think that there's any concern here, given Romo's extensive slider usage, that there's anything health related going on here? Or uh, just is this a situation of poor performance and you see other reasons for it? The main thing that sticks out to me is he's giving up home runs and almost two per nine. 1.7 1.7 right now, and really no reliever is going to make it giving that up, or no closer is going to give that up. And even with the five ERA, all of his other ERA estimators are quite high also. So right now, I mean, it's not one of those ones where I think they're making a knee-jerk reaction. He may get end up getting the job back if Jeremy can't do it. But um, right now... I don't know. I just I don't think they could keep it keep him in there and hope that everything's right. As for an injury, his velocity's pretty good. He's throwing just as many strikes as he has. Those are kind of the two big indicators: his velocity and the inability to throw strikes. And those seem to be pretty consistent from his previous numbers. He's just not pitching very good compared to what he used to do. Yeah, I think what's I mean what's interesting you noted about the strikes and I mean the walk rate. It has risen a bit, but of course it's far from egregious. It doesn't say uh, you know, it's around it's around five percent uh, walk rate of two, uh, around two walks per nine innings. None of this says drastic issues. The strikeout rate is a little down, uh, nothing but nothing that he couldn't perhaps work with. It makes me wonder if there's just some not not some sort of serious location issues or something like that. But yeah, I mean, like you said, the home runs um, are really disturbing. I think. I mean, I think. The player to own here is Santiago Casilla simply because there's the possibility that Romo doesn't work this out, given an array of reasons. I mean, he's had basically three months to kind of get things right, and it's taken this long. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, I guess it's, it's, it's not really encouraging. Casilla's actually performed very well, and he's performed in that role before. Uh, and his, I mean, a lot of things about his numbers look pretty good to begin with. So, I mean, to me, Yes, I felt maybe a factor here, um, but the thing that concerns about Casilla is just that he's not striking out a great number of guys and doesn't it doesn't have that that stereotypical closers profile. It's it's there's no there's no clear cut solution here, which is kind of disappointing because this is a giant team that's winning a lot and, and generating a lot of save opportunities. So, I mean, it's it's TBD and NL only leagues. Of course, both of those guys are close to owned, if not owned. Uh, simply because of the possibility of the situation coming up. Uh, it's not necessarily a situation I would dive into in deep mix leagues, uh, but Casilla, well, except for Casilla, I would want to own him because he's the right-hander. But it's, I think it's just, it's, uh, it, I, 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 have yet, I have yet to see what a real reason is for why Romo's giving up so many home runs, and I haven't seen it in either any number rules or, or numbers or uh, any of the pitch effects data. Uh, and that's, it's, uh, doesn't it doesn't smell right, for lack of a better way of putting it? Yeah, and looking at their bullpen, they really don't have that outstanding close, closer. And um, 
they've got some really good ERAs, which are going to pitching in um, San Francisco, just with the bigger park. But um, Casilla, I mean, his strikeouts and wa- um, walks are really comparable to Romo. Um, Alpha, his is, they're a tad bit better, but he's, you know, kind of only been fit, facing lefties, and really teams don't like to put a lefty in as the closer, just kind of as a general rule. It's kind of like a last-ditch effort. Kind of wondering if there might be the, they'll just look at the eighth and ninth inning and see which one's the highest left-handed heavy and put Alfeld against them and see which one's, you know, more right-handed and can see against that. And maybe they'll be splitting them. Kind of interesting to see what they do. Like I said, both of their ERAs are under two, but when you start looking at their FIPS and XFIPS, they're probably each closer to three then. Yeah. Yeah. They do have, I guess it's never, it's never the worst thing to remember that Javier Lopez is kind of, he's been kind of that loogie, uh, save vulture before and so that that could always pop up again i don't think he's performed quite as well as he has in years past and so that's not necessarily a given but uh they do have a couple of lefties and so maybe that frees up felt a little bit but clearly the, i think the giants the way they were been reluctant to uh put romo in the closers role in seasons past uh, for a number of reasons primarily they were concerned about uh, his his health in the long term and never really overexposing him um, I, I think, I mean, this is a team that franchise long-term is looking for a closer solution. It's clearly not necessarily in a uh, position to worry about that necessarily in this case. But, uh, I mean, it's a team that's contending. And, and it's, I wouldn't, you know, you can't rule out uh, a trade for them in the next month that addresses that um, simply because it's a team that's largely built to win. The bullpen is, I mean, they, they have a couple of concerns at this point, but what team doesn't? And uh, so it's... It, it wouldn't be shocking to see them go out and make a move that really solidifies their bullpen uh, in the in late innings. Yeah, overall, it's a lot better than – I would just compare it to – it's not really at the quality, but in the same situation as like the um, White Sox where they really just don't have – they're all kind of even, mm-hmm. and there really isn't a straight ninth inning, eighth inning type thing. Something like the Royals have with like Wade Davis and Holland. It's just like – well, we've got good pitchers, and but we really just don't have a lights-out guy. So it's kind of like we're trying to stick pieces together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So this is it's a situation that is kind of TBD, and we will see what happens there. Uh, I don't think fantasy owners have seen yet a clear situation uh, or resolution to how that situation will go. But uh, speaking of the White, White Sox, now they've, they've made a bit of the change on their, their own. Uh, now that Ronald Belisario has clearly had some troubles in his attempts to to uh, lock down some save situations, now they're going to handle it on a case by case basis. Zach Putnam gets the latest save for the White Sox uh, on Saturday, and he's actually put up some of the best numbers in this bullpen. And so he maybe maybe looks like an attractive piece to go after, uh, at least in deep leagues. But uh, I mean, uh, Robin Mature has made it clear that they will not define who uh, who their closer is at this moment. This is a situation that Eno I've talked Eno and I've talked about for a number of weeks. We kind of like Belisario. They he figured that they would he would uh, he had the odds on yeah the best odds I guess to kind of continue to serve in that role simply because um, he was he was going to cheat he was going to be cheap and remain kind of well he would allow the White Sox to keep some of their own younger guys like Webb and uh, and other pitchers there who might long-term fit in that role, but keep them cheap in the meantime. So financial considerations there, um, it's always possible that these guys get some looks, but uh, there's, it, to me, it just becomes a messier situation because I don't think, I, I really believe that the manager is kind of looking at this as a situation where he'll just stick whoever he thinks is best to go with in this particular situation. And it's not, I don't, I, I don't see anybody clearly emerging at least anytime soon. Yeah. Like the people with the high strikeout rates, like Frank Francisco's walking, seven batters per nine, which isn't going to cut it. And it, no one else is even getting close to, uh, you know, a strikeout per nine innings. Um, anyone in their bullpen. I mean, kind of a name that intrigues me just because he was good previously and just has dealt with, I think two Tommy John surgeries is Eric Surkamp. And I just, I think I'm just going to keep an eye on him. I mean, he's only thrown, he's not even thrown two total innings yet in the majors and he's got a low velocity, you know, he's not pushing 90, but 
and he's left-handed. <laughs> that, right. Yeah, that doesn't. None of those things help. But yeah, there. I mean, he's Scott Downs is gone now, so that's a situation where he right. perhaps factors in. Yeah, and it's just one of those. Again, it's like with the White Sox. Well, these are just bad overall choices. Like I think if they had um, Alfeld, he would be the closer in Chicago. It's so like it's just all this is just not pretty at all there. Yeah. I'm just looking at their overall bullpen number here at Fangraphs, the, you know, how they performed this year. And yeah, not good. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's not a pretty situation. Uh, it's certainly when I want, I mean, it, it remains just the same as before. I mean, if, if, if I'm in a deep mix league, I'm going to give likely, for instance, in Tower Wars this week, I'm going to give probably a nominal bid uh, on Putnam. There's no reason he can't continue to perform somewhat effectively, uh, perhaps not with an ERA in the twos. Uh, he's, he seems to have put up so far, I think it is. But, I mean, it's it's not a situation that uh, that I'm endeared to as a fantasy owner. Um, I, I think folks are just – they're it's, it's an ale-only situation, and you kind of cross your fingers, and that's just kind of the way you have to look at it. I think it's – Perhaps crossing your fingers is, is a good way to look at the situation where uh, the Pirates and, and Angels made a deal this past weekend, <laughs> basically swapping setup, uh, deposed closer slash now setup men, and Ernesto Frieri and Jason Grilly. And basically, the reason I want to touch on this, I mean, immediately I thought the angle here is which of these guys now has a better chance uh, to usurp his current closer. But clearly, Frieri has, I would say, has a much worse chance. Uh, doing that. Mark Melanson has pitched fantastically for the last year and a half uh, in Pittsburgh, and he's held down the role when asked, continues to do so. He's picked up a couple of saves in the last few days. And so, I mean, Freire has a long way to go to fix some of his issues. In Pittsburgh, uh, with Ray Searage there and a great staff, I mean, they've certainly shown the ability to, to turn around some kind of some reclamation projects. But you know, let's forget. Let's forget that Melanson has pitched well. There's no reason to doubt him there. So, does Gurley have a chance to uh, displace uh, Joe Smith, who seems to be kind of heading what what you could kind of perceive as a committee? But uh, I mean, reality is, Gurley has not pitched well this season. That's why he's been he's been dealt. He's had some health issues. I think there's some long term concern there, but clearly it wasn't enough to dissuade the Angels from trading for him. And I wonder. I, I, I think that this, I mean, this could be a move that comes back to haunt them a little bit, but I'm interested to see, for instance, what you think about Gurley's chances to stay healthy uh, and perhaps even come into the picture as far as the closer's role is concerned. I think he's in the closer's role picture. I, I'm in an AL league and I'm deciding in how much fab to um, put towards him. It's, I don't want to put a ton towards him, but I think he'll be an interesting play to see if he... He has a chance there, and like I said, in any AL league, you have to take anyone with a chance. Um, the injury, yeah, him staying healthy, I really think the Angels need to go out and find another closer on some other team that's out of the, the race. I am, I just see them making a move later on, maybe picking up a salary dump with someone, but I – they have to kind of get that situation resolved. I mean, they're in the playoff mix. They're probably going to have a wild card as of right now, but I really think that that has to get resolved and Joe Smith is not the answer. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't look, I mean, that's kind of the picture we talked about. He seemed Smith seems just better suited to the setup role for a variety of reasons. Uh, he, he relies on a lot of different things uh, that are not necessarily pure dominance or anything of that nature. Uh, and just as kind of more of a, um, he's a solution to a number of uh, a variety of situations, but not necessarily the best option in any of them. And in this case, the the other options in the Halos bullpen just aren't real great. Uh, I think that that's, I mean, it's unfortunate. For instance, that Dean De La Rosa has dealt with some health problems uh, and has really not been. It doesn't really seem like he's ever pitched at 100% health this season. So that's, uh, I think that was a, a possible solution that the the that the Anaheim Angels could have looked at. But, uh, I mean, it, it, it's kind of clear that this is just – it's kind of muddy situation. I do I do agree. I think really maybe he earned some consideration. That's certainly what the Halos are hoping for here in the next month, that he gives them reason to think that. But, yeah, I think I think if they're looking for a definitive solution there, uh, it seems like that they're going to have to make another trade 
And that's more than just uh, giving up on one problem and, and hoping that they turn around another. Yeah, I, yeah, he just, I mean, they just can't look at themselves and be like, this is our answer. This is, you know, who's going to be our closer and take us to the World Series. It's, I just think that he's possibly a piece that they can put in and help shore up the back end. But I still think there's like a clear closer that they need to go out and get. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So we move to some rotation things here. And basically just want to touch on several guys who have kind of entered the picture here briefly for their teams and for a couple of reasons might uh, turn out to be uh, fantasy options down the road. But that first one to start with, uh, just to confirm, this is we've talked about Taiwan Walker on a few occasions on the podcast. Uh, just we are confirming, uh, you have probably heard by now, that he is he is in fact the pitcher that Seattle will recall uh, and he'll start on Monday. So he gets a, a first time up this season. Uh, he'll get a two-start week. That's pretty exciting. This is obviously a guy who should be owned in most leagues That's uh, for the town alone, the strikeout ability and things like that. Long term, we've expressed some concerns about uh, his uh, his health prospects. But in the short term, uh, you have to love the ability alone. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of it. Jeff, how are, uh, what do you think as far as, at least as far as the health perspective of him and just what, you know, what is your take on his fantasy perspective or, or his fantasy prospects overall? I like him overall. I did coming into the season before the shoulder. The one thing I would like to see with him is a start. It's just like, does he still have some velocity? Is he able to throw the, able to throw strikes? Um, if I was in a, if I was in a deeper league and didn't – I should probably look to see who he's starting against. But I would be – I would maybe let him not start him on Monday and just see what happens. And then after that, make a decision. Because sometimes they, it's with the shoulder kind of bothers me a bit that he could come back and be two or three miles an hour off and just kind of trying to still trying to find himself, which is one reason I think he was kept in the minors. So I have a little bit – more confidence that he'll still be good, but it would still be nice to know where he stands right now. Yeah, it's understandable. And actually his, his two starts that come at Houston and at the White Sox, Houston has actually been a, a bit or noticeably better performer against left-handed pitchers. So that's encouraging. I guess if you're in a position where you kind of want to consider Walker, uh, the White Sox, the danger is giving up home runs. Walker, that, that could be a bit of a factor for him, especially if, as you alluded to, he's kind of, if he's, a little bit physically not quite all the way there. Uh, I would think that I would like to think that the that the Mariners have given him these handful of starts or so in the minors is kind of the buildup that they he was missing early in the season that, to get him to this point. But as you said, we're really not going to know until we see him in a major league game because there's a number of things that we might not we, we 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 don't necessarily get all the information that comes out of the minors. So that's going to be a concern. Um, but uh, I mean, it, it's a talent you want to own, uh, but it's there's it, it, there's far from a uh, definite here until at least till we see some major league some major league output. Uh, but uh, I mean, I, I'd be I'd be I'd be cautious about starting him for the for the two start week. Uh, I'd hope that you have some better options, but it could work out for you. It's a, I think it's a total coin flip. And also with, the, with an AL league, I think I would have to throw him in. I think he's probably better than a lot of people's. I know he'd be better than some of my end of, you know, bench options yeah. in a deep a league that it's just like, I think the deeper the league, the more he's just an automatic. If your league is a little bit shallower, if you have daily plays, maybe give it a game just to make sure he's what you've got. I mean, like I said, sometimes you just won't have that option, but I think he'd be a good one to sit just for this first day and see what you have and then go from there. Sure. Sure. And uh, basically, just wanted to touch on, like I said, some these are some young pitchers, uh, and Ar Ar Archie Bradley for a different reason uh, from the uh, other a couple of others that I want to get to real quick. But uh, is I mean, he's on his way back from a reha uh, some rehab. He's been making a he's made a few rehab uh, have outings now, uh, and it looks like I mean he he looks like he could be a factor basically after the All Star break. It could be sooner than that, but after the All Star break for the Diamondbacks particularly if they are able to trade Brandon McCarthy, who has been a target of some teams, or at least a target of inquiries uh, from some teams. I suppose and it's possible that they could do, they, they could do a number of things that would, that would clear a rotation spot for Bradley. And sooner or later, they're going to want to get a major league look at him. Uh, but uh, anything about him uh, that concerns you going forward, 
uh, given the nature of the injury that he's coming off. I think that the one... I really think he's going to stay in the minors for a bit. I don't think that... They weren't in a big deal to rush him up earlier. And... I think he's going to be more of a September call-up. And maybe he might be a good one for people in head-to-head leagues that might have another one of their starters shut down. He might be someone to stash and keep for then. I think he might get the the Walker treatment where since they have the option to keep him in the minors once he is off the DL, is let him pitch down there. But I just don't really see what they gain by getting him in the majors a month earlier. Like maybe get him up in September, give him a few starts against major league hitters, just get a baseline of data. I could also see him, I think he even pitched last year in it, but just to make sure is he could um be a good candidate for the Arizona Fall League just to get him some work in a little bit this year. Yeah, those are excellent points. I think I think you're right on track with that. You make specifically about the fact that they there's no incentive for them at this point uh, to bring him up until they're clearly satisfied with where he is physically and performance-wise. So, yeah, it's a, uh, it's it, this is a pitcher. I mean, a lot of folks drafted Bradley even in mixed leagues, and I think there was just there was this hope slash even belief that this guy would be was pretty likely to be a part of this rotation for a good portion of the season. And I think that, I mean, I, I thought it was I was a little skeptical of that myself. It turns out it's even more so it's with some things that were unforeseen. Uh, so it's, yeah, but I mean, he's certainly a talented that folks would be interested. Just remember, he is he is twenty one. I mean, it's, it's not like he's behind schedule at this point or anything like that. Uh, just fantastic ability. He's had some problems with control and things like that. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting situation to see how Bradley develops in the next uh, three months and then in the next year or so. Yeah, I would maybe just watch the monthly data. I mean, his few starts he's had so far this year haven't been pretty. I mean, um, so his ERA looked good in double a when he had the few starts there, but he was walking more batters and he was striking out. And right now he's supporting him ERA over five and doesn't have the great strikeout and walk numbers that he he's previously had. So I don't think he's back yet. The diamondbacks obviously don't, but probably just look to see maybe hopefully maybe it's July numbers turn around or his August numbers. And then I would think at best you're probably looking at a September call up. Yeah, I can certainly see that, uh, and and by the same token, but uh, perhaps I mean certainly in a much more moved up timetable is uh, the Rays have uh, they called on Alex Colome for a start uh, in a doubleheader against the Orioles on Friday. Made an excellent start, I believe he gave up like one run in six innings, uh, got a victory, and it's, um, this is I think this is not the first appearance for him this season. It is the first one that he's made a kind of a quality outing for them. Uh, and his first start of the season, um, previous appearance was, uh, in long relief. Uh, so this is a, this pitcher with a lot of talent the ability to strike out hitters has really had some inconsistency as far, especially because of some control problems, but Rays obviously, unless they have a ginormous turnaround, uh, in the next few weeks or so, David Price is expected to be on the move. They're going to need to fill that in with somebody, and it seems like Colome is the next guy up. To me, uh, Colome doesn't—he's not going to play in mixed leagues, but uh, he's given some promise and some reason to hope. At least he's not going to play in mixed leagues right away. Uh, but certainly, somebody that's at least on the AL only radar. Do you see any difference in that? No, he's—and even the AL, it may be kind of a week-to-week. Stick him on your bench. Maybe if he's got two good starts or a weak opponent, just walks too many batters is his main issue. It's almost everywhere up through the minors. He's around four, if not pushing, you know, five walks per nine. It's just not going to cut it, especially when you get to the majors where it's even going to be harder to, I mean, not walk people. I mean, people are going to take more and more walks against you. Um, If he could just get the walks under control, everything else looks good, but until then, that would just kind of scare me off quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. And he's he's made substantial progress in the minor leagues as far as the walks, or I'm sorry, in AAA this year as far as the walks are concerned. That's not, I mean, there's there could be an array of reasons, and ultimately it's still uh, major leagues uh, kind of known for having tighter strike zones than in the minors. A uh, number of other things could be a factor there. The Rays, we'll say, we'll say the Rays have seemed to have kind of 
for a couple of their pitchers who have had these uh, bit of problems with their uh, with issuing walks, they seem to somehow kind of improve these pitchers' ability to locate and control the ball a little bit more when they get to the majors. And I think it's a little bit of testament to. I mean, Alex Cobb stands out as a, as an as a uh, an example to me, but a, a couple of other guys, uh, Chris Archer, I think is another uh, who have they've come along in that respect. And I think that. That makes that makes Colin May a guy to watch simply because of those the the possibilities there. I mean, it's obviously the Rays are known for their ability to develop pitchers, so it's not somebody completely dismissed. I think in, in at least in deep mixed leagues, but you're certainly getting your hopes up if this is if you think that guy's a, a solution once he does get a, a spot. Uh, and last name I want to touch on is uh, is Cubs called up made a start this past weekend uh, and also in a, in a doubleheader is Dallas Beeler. To be honest, I'm not really familiar with this guy, uh, but he had a great debut. I believe he also gave up a zero, maybe one, one run. He struck out six in six innings. Uh, and obviously the Cubs are rumored to be, I mean, there's no secrets at this point that they uh, they hope to trade at least Jefferson Marja or Jason Hamill or possibly it's been thrown out Jake Arrieta. I, I think it would be interesting, but it, it seems pretty likely that at least one of these guys is going to go. And so there's probably going to be a rotation spot open up. This is certainly not a team uh, that is playing for anything important this uh, this season. So uh, based on the numbers that uh, Bueller has put up, uh, think that there's anything to, I mean, it's basically before this outing, there was no real reason, I think, to have a major, to have an eye on him. But uh, obviously the results, uh, the result on Saturday was was pretty good. And uh I mean, he's he's at times he's put up some pretty good results with some sub three ERAs in the minor leagues. Yeah, it's definitely an intriguing. I hadn't followed him much either. I mean, twenty five. He's got really doesn't walk anyone. Is what he stays with, and if you can get some strikeouts against people, yeah, I think he plays good in the NL league. There's um. What's most intriguing kind of, about him is to me. I mean, he he. He, uh, roughly two-thirds ground balls, and I think that that seems to be a strength of his is kind of uh, given that the, the Cubs' front office is, I mean, they have a reputation for being a little more metric savvy and things like that, that perhaps this is a guy that they view as a, maybe they view him as a possible back-end piece, I think. That's the only reason I wanted to even bring him up. But uh, Yeah, like you said, he's kind of intriguing. The one, I was kind of looking at some of his pitch numbers and what he throws, and he doesn't have a huge difference with his pitches because his fastball is only pushing about 90, and then his change is at 85. I don't really – it's not something that I usually like to see a little bit more of a difference in speed with that. And it, they put his curve at 80 miles an hour. So and they might have his classifications wrong too since it was his first start. I'm just going off the pitch FX numbers. Yeah, certainly true. But, and it's like I said, he's like I said, he's kind of a radar one. I'd like to see another start. I'd like to see what he can do. Just more of him. He's kind of one I'm not totally dismissing, but it's kind of tough to gain the strikeouts, but he looks like he could just get in there and um, get you some um, innings and not really blow up on you any week and kind of not, yeah, really kind of hurt you if need be. Yeah, of course. I mean, ultimately, no. I mean, the Cubs, they don't have a great deal. They've they've certainly started to kind of build up the farm system, uh, but it seems to be that a lot of those prospects are on the hitting side. Kyle Hendricks is a name, I guess, that, that fantasy owners should have kind of in the back of their minds. Maybe this is, you know, that's the player who uh, could really be be in play here. But uh, as far as anything of significant fantasy value, but uh, Beeler, I mean, Beeler looks like down the road, NL in the league. Maybe there's some intrigue there, uh, simply because if he continues, if he continues to just find ways to get guys out. Ultimately, he's probably a tweener. He ends up, you know, in a kind, of, kind of a swingman role. It wouldn't be the first time the Cubs have had a number of players like that uh, perform like that in the past, and, and uh, they don't really seem to have any long, uh, immediate solutions that suggest that they're willing, that they're ready to fill in those spots with. But um, somebody has to get those innings and just, you know, have to be curious about some of the guys who might be doing that. Yeah. Moving, moving to some... Uh, some some lineup news. Uh, obviously, this is this is big news. This is something we we've been feeling questions about this guy for weeks uh, at the site, and uh, it's finally time to talk about him with some kind of. To be honest, this is earlier than I expected the Red Sox to make this move, but they have called up Mookie Betts, 
It's a player who is really intriguing because of his ability to get on base, combined with the fact that he doesn't swing and miss too often. Uh, seems to be kind of almost to the point. I mean, he he improves that ability uh, as he's moved up the ladder. Um, other than a bit of a twelve percent strikeout rate this year, so not entirely. But I mean, just his ability to draw the walk is kind of consistently risen through the minor leagues. Uh, it doesn't really seem like he's been affected by moving up levels. And uh, I mean, this player who's twenty one, he'll, he'll turn twenty two just at the after the end of the season, and is clearly somebody who is going to be in the picture next season. Uh, but uh, 322, 425, 444 slash line uh, in the minors. Uh, he got he is getting his first start tonight, Sunday night baseball. So I'm sure it'll be, be plenty of folks turn, tuning in for that. Uh, he should be picked up pretty much anywhere based on the uh, based on the fact that he sh- he should get on base enough and give you an opportunity to uh, to get some contributions in the stolen base category because of his ability to do that. Any reasons to be concerned about anything as far as bets goes? And uh, where, who do you see him being canceled out? Who do you see being canceled out here in the Red Sox's outfield? Because this <laughs> this is a situation that has not been pretty for them for a large part of the season to the point where they've been playing Brock Holt out there. Uh, Daniel Nava was, uh, is basically a band-aid for them at this point and he entered as a possible starter. Uh, I mean, it, it's, this is not a pretty outfield. Uh, especially for fantasy purposes, but uh, don't think it's anything like the the Red Sox anticipated coming into the season either with the uh, Grady Sizemore being a failed option. Jackie Bradley still failing to uh, show that he's not overmatched by major league pitching. Johnny Gomes proving to be still kind of a liability in a number of aspects. Uh, Shane Victorino on the disabled list. I mean, you name it, the, the Red Sox have dealt with it in the outfield now that they've lost Jacoby Ellsbury. Mookie Betts clearly is in the lineup as long as he's up. The question is, is, uh, is there any value that emerges besides Betts, and how does this affect Betts? I mean, the, the, I mean, to me, it says immediate, uh, immediate opportunity to be a leadoff hitter, assuming that he displays well, because uh, it looks like they're going to start him near the bottom of the lineup at, the, at least to start. Yeah, I don't think they would throw him to the top. Most teams don't. Their first start, just throw him right into the mix. They're... I think he's going to just go until he completely fails. I think the Red Sox need someone. I think he's the answer. I think you've got two to three weeks for him to just do as good as the rest of those outfielders are, and the bar's not set that high right now in Boston, you know, outfield. It's not like he's turning it up and he needs to come compete against anyone. I mean, he just got to beat one of the three of them out there, and it's. I think he could probably – Take them all. I mean, it's not that tough. Um, the only thing I think some people may be worried a tad bit about is his power, but I don't think you're going to get that. But I think you may get a surprising amount of it, more than possibly, you know, 10 run home, around 10 home runs in the majors, which is probably not bad considering he could probably give you up to 30 stolen bases also. Yeah, it's a great point uh, that the power, I mean, maybe forecast in the long run to be a bit more of a power contributor, but you're not going to get that right now. Uh, but he does, I mean, he does intrigue in a number of ways. I think what strikes me is concern. I mean, you could call this a bit of a concern, but I think it speaks a lot to his athleticism. Obviously this is, this is a middle infielder in the system until this season when they shifted him. And this has only been a recent transition that they've moved him to the outfield. Uh, and he's only been playing center field. I want to say for a couple of weeks, but uh, they've been really thrilled with how he has made the transition. It says a lot about his athleticism. They even moved him to right field for a game or two. Uh, so they were, they were pretty much, I mean, I think once they moved him out to right field, it kind of said a lot about their intention. I mean, they're, they're ready to bring this up and they're going to get him out there and, and make him a solution any way that they can. I mean, this is, I think this is a team somewhat, it's an organization that's kind of desperate to follow up a world series winning season with one where they at least make the playoffs. They want to make a good showing. I think that they're trying to find any solution to that instead of saying it's, it's too soon to mail it in. I guess I can't blame them, but uh, at the same time, I mean, Betts seems to be, it's not just a case of desperation. I mean, he seems to be that he'll be ready to handle major league pitching because of the tools, because of the control of the strike zone, his knowledge of it, and uh, because of his abilities. I mean, this is not, this is not by any means the Red Sox's top prospect, but is one of the more polished ones and seems to be ready to contribute to the major league level and, and, as such, I mean, I, I wouldn't be worried about throwing out a, de- a generous fab bid on him, especially if you need stolen bases. I don't think that there's 
relative to your average prospect, I don't think there's a great uh, likelihood to fail here. But, uh, I mean, uh, you know, again, don't look at him as a season saver or anything like that. Uh, unless you're in an OBP league, I mean, this is a guy who also make a bit of a difference there in that category for you. So that's kind of exciting. I, I, I mean, I expect to be. I haven't checked, uh, but he, I'll be looking at him uh, in, a, in a couple of leagues. Both of my main leagues now are OBP leagues, and so he really is intriguing to me. Uh, and and the speed doesn't hurt, uh, especially uh, at this point in the season. Yeah, I've got him in one other points in a plain points league, um, Adenu, and the stolen bases don't really count as much, but his nice on base percentage is just going to be great. And then, depending on the league right now, he's um, only coming in as shortstop qualified. And if he gets an outfield, that would just be a great multi position dual, you know, filling in who's missed, but with shortstop and outfield you rarely get those combinations um i i think he's pretty much he's going to be owned by someone somewhere in about every league i mean i don't see any league where he's not in play right now and i think he's like i said i think he's a must own and it'll be interesting to see how the bids come out tonight for people that for leagues he wasn't owned in yeah, for sure. And you make an interesting point about the eligibility because uh, some le- in some leagues, uh, prospect uh, prospect will come up and he won't earn eligibility until he's been up to play it in the majors. Some some leagues, some some hosts, they assign a position right away from the beginning of the season. And as just said, I mean, he, he's eligible perhaps at shortstop. Some people maybe in second base. I've actually you know, seen him eligible there, but he's going to be adding eligibility at a position in those leagues, and that that certainly makes him dynamic. I mean, I think he'll, given that he might be eligible at shortstop in some leagues, if that's the case, that seems to be kind of the most advantageous place to play him. In fact, that reminds me, since you brought that up, it reminds me I'm, I'm playing Chris Owings in a league. He goes to the DL. I have a great excuse to take a shot on bets if he's eligible at shortstop in that league. And I'll be, I'll be eager to check, check for that. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be a bit of a factor because I, I would, I would certainly guess barring, other health problems otherwise that uh, he he's not going to be adding a middle infield eligibility eligibility for the Red Sox. But uh, I mean, at the very least he'll have the outfield uh, and certainly there's always an opportunity to find space for an outfielder in, in a lot of leagues. Yeah. I just looked on my Yahoo league. He was on a shortstop fan tracks. He was um shortstop and Adenu is second base. I don't have an ESPN league this year, so I didn't, wasn't able to go there. But he's kind of all over the place right now. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting though in, in those formats that uh, he has that eligibility. I think. A couple of quick notes: uh, Alberto Colaspo with Oakland. Uh, sounds like they're for now. He's he's been on a hot streak. He's batted close to 400 uh, in his last 10, 11, 12 games. And now they want to make him the, the regular second baseman. This is not a guy who plays, except maybe in very deep mixed leagues, 15 teams or more, where he's kind of that stopgap or depth uh, possibility. He has a lot of he has a lot of eligible positions in, in a lot of leagues. And so that may be appealing. I mean, certainly doesn't offer a great deal of upside, but this is one of the best offenses in baseball. There's no question about that. So maybe that's appealing. Certainly worth noting for fantasy owners uh, simply because, uh, you know, it's it, – he could be a viable stopgap in a number of different ways, kind of be uh, that kind of Swiss Army knife. But not a great deal of upside, and, and the A's wouldn't be the first time that they've they've switched gears. Uh, they, they could easily go away from Colaspo once he starts uh, going in the tank, which seems likely sooner or later. I mean, this is not a he's not a 300 hitter, although he could continue to keep this up. He uh, doesn't necessarily display these tools consistently, so uh, sooner or later the A's could make some switches there again. Yeah, I looked at him. Um, I always didn't know his batting average dropped off so bad. I was always with the Royals. It was always like pretty an empty 300. I mean, not a ton of power. But since now, I mean, the last few seasons, it's only been about 250. I thought he might be a good plug-and-play candidate where you just stick him in on on an off day when someone else has him on. And, you know, keep your batting average up and just get a few counting stats here and there. But right now... I think, yeah, it's only like the deepest of deepest leagues, but probably 20 teams or more. He's probably the only ones in play or an AL only. Yeah, and I mean, as you talked about, I mean, you're an OBP league. He's he's really upped the walk rate in the, in the past couple of years. And, you know, so to the point where he's not, at least he's not going to be a negative impact in those types of leagues. And so maybe even in batting average leagues, he's a little less appealing. But uh, just the fact that 
he seems to be making more of his at bats these days. Uh, and yeah, I mean, but because otherwise he doesn't offer anything. I mean, primary counting categories of home runs and stolen bases, he's he's virtually a nil. There's not really anything exciting about him. But uh, it's it's worth noting that he's going to get some regular playing time for the for the short short term. And uh, in, in Arizona, now that uh, Chris Owings is on the disabled list, as I mentioned, Didi Gregorius should be getting some regular time at shortstop uh, with the D-backs. So obviously we've seen him. He doesn't offer a great t- a great deal of upside. We have seen him display a little bit of power at times, maybe a little bit of speed. Uh, it's not the it's not the the the, mo- the player with the highest ceiling by any means, uh, but uh, we see him get on a hot streak and uh, really turn in some decent fantasy numbers. And uh, so there's, I mean, it certainly is unquestionably an opportunity here. Do you see him playing outside anything in uh, in deep? Well, in, at least in the NL only leagues. No, I, he's really last year was the only time he really showed any power and it's, he seems to have it. I don't I mean in the minors this year, he's had three home runs, but two with the Diamondbacks in a lot less games. I don't know if he's just swinging for the fences cause he doesn't have, I mean, his strike his every time he gets to the majors, his strikeout rate just jumps and he just has a low batting average and low Babbitt. I, yeah, unless you're just desperate, I see no reason to have him right now to yeah. roster him. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. There's no reason for fantasy owners to get really excited about owning Gregorius. I mean, he's, he's strictly a beneficiary as far as the playing time is concerned. Uh, big news also on the injury front, though, uh, is the return, uh, the p- impending return of Bryce Harper with that torn UCL in the thumb. He's been on a rehab assignment for nearly a week now and has uh, performed pretty well on it, uh, from my understanding. Sounds like he's going to be back as soon as Monday. If not, it'll be Tuesday, I think. Uh, but uh, I, I wouldn't have any reservations about getting this guy back into my lineup, of course. And the question, I think, more so. Um, it, it, first of all, I am curious. Do you think that there are any potential repercussions or any uh, potential short-term or any kind of effects uh, from the injury that he's coming off of, I would like to think not, given the amount of recovery time that he's had, but uh, and he's had the surgery. But and then also, obviously, we, went, we can get into quickly. How does this affect the the, the Nationals' arrangements? They've talked about the possibility of playing him in center field going forward, and that obviously affects a number of players if they do do that, or if they don't. What else are they going to do? Um, but uh, what's your feeling on the Harper situation? I think he's a must play also, even if he's 95%, that's better than probably any other outfielder you have eight, 90%, 85. Um, the one issue I have with him is it's still Bryce Harper. He's still going to try to go a hundred percent. My only worry would be him re-injuring the thumb. He's just, that's just kind of the way he goes about it. Full speed. Um, as for the nationals, let me ask you real quick about the thumb. I mean, is this is this a kind of thing that um, because of the nature of the, uh, the style of his play, uh, does that increase? I mean, is is, is this is this particular injury uh, at any greater risk for him to to um, to aggravate it, or is it simply? I mean, is it simply okay? Like we can consider Harper pretty much healthy, and just because of the style of play, he's just he seems likely to get injured again eventually. I think with the injury, it would be just because he's going to, I mean, if he still tries to slide into first base or anything with that, it's, I don't think the thumb will be a hundred, a hundred percent probably until the start of next year. It's okay. probably going to linger in form. Okay. So he could easily re-injure it. I mean, he tore it quite bad. I do like that he did spend as much time coming back and that he did quite a few minor league assignments It'll just be interesting to see how he does it the first few weeks, but I, you really can't take a chance to sit him. You got to see what he is and hope for the best because whoever probably drafted him took him in the first or second round, and they need their first and second round production at least for you know the next half of the season. Surely, surely. I'm just you know, and I just asked because of that. Uh, I mean, clearly, I mean, he's in his 
just under 100 plate appearances. I mean, you had only the one home run stolen base. You finally picked it up in the batting average category, and that was encouraging. But, uh, I mean, it, it just uh, you know begged the question, I think, more so health-wise. I mean, clearly this is a guy you, you're going to want in. I mean, he hit – granted, it's, you know uh, – under 15 plate appearances, but he was hitting like 600. I mean, he, this is a guy who's clearly eager to get back into a major league lineup. And I think, you know, the nationals would be eager to put him in theirs, but I mean, does it create a situation where if he gets off to a hot start, fantasy managers say, Hey, I still, am a, I'm still kind of really conscious of this propensity to be injured again. Maybe I can swap him for something that's almost first round value because somebody else, you know, now, now that he's back, somebody's not going to, perceive the the possibility that he's injured again uh, and maybe i can max it out just just throwing it out there as a possibility it's not i'm not encouraging folks to trade him but i think it's it's something to keep in the back of your mind i think he's one of those players um that if you have him and you really need to move up you keep him but if you're actually in the lead and you've had him on your bench and he comes back is maybe trade him to a team that needs a big boost to come back and just get a safer play. Yeah. As a fielder, just get a, someone that's going to, I'm trying to think of a good name to just Alex Gordon. Maybe that's probably going a little too low, but just get a safe play in the outfield that some of us usually doesn't get hurt, that you can just get known production from, and you know, you're not going to probably lose him and just get a, you know, give up a little bit of production for health depending on how your team stands. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, I don't think, I don't personally don't think that Gordon is the worst solution. I mean, that's not a bad recommendation. Hopefully you can do better, but as you said, I mean, I think that's a good recommendation based on where you're on the standings. That's a great point. And I'm sorry, and I didn't mean to cut you off. You were going to say about uh, how he affects the rest of the lineup. The, I think more of the problem is going to be what's going to happen in the infield. I think Zimmerman's heading back in there. I haven't read up perfectly where everyone's going to get stuck back in um I guess Zimmerman's probably going to head back to third McLeod is probably going to be playing first now well staying he's in there uh well no McLeod or you uh LaRoche is would be staying at first I mean I think that's, that's true LaRoche is yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's kind of a right now with sounds bad they probably could have a, a person to move but yeah, McLeod is not in the situation now that I look at it. He's just not been playing good. He's just kind of been stuck in there because of everyone else being hurt. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, they they created this possibility when they moved Zimmerman to the outfield once he had returned uh, earlier at the beginning of the month, uh, this possibility of move. And, yes, he's back at third base, it sounds like. Uh, they're even willing to platoon him at first base with LaRoche. Uh, down the stretch and this is assuming that everybody's healthy you could always create a situation but i think i mean initially it seemed like they wanted to offer themselves a possibility to keep danny espinosa in the lineup and i think that that's i mean he hasn't espinosa has not performed overall but the the nationals really value his glove it is one of the best he is one of the best fielders middle infielders in the national league um in the in the limited time he's had it a lot of it is a range he has a really strong arm i mean there's there's a lot of he's there are a lot of pluses to him having, being in the lineup but has really only been a consistent performer against left-handed pitching and maybe that i mean that's it's a case where uh against a left-hander they look to move things around to get espinosa in the lineup um but it's there's i don't think there's a clear-cut case otherwise i mean I'm a Denard Span owner, for instance, in, in Tout Wars. I'm not going to be in a rush to drop this guy uh, because even if the Nationals show an inclination to, to move things around to where Harper's in center field, I don't think that's a situ- I don't think that's a, an arrangement that they want to do on a regular basis. I certainly think he has the athleticism to play center field. Span is a decent fielder in, the, in center field. And uh, as far as a number of other things go, they're going to base it on performance and other things like that. So I think... I don't think uh, it's it's the only my only concern is Span loses a little bit of playing time here, uh, it's, but that's no big deal. Uh, Adam LaRoche is not necessarily going to be given. He's actually hit left-handers. He was hitting them well early in the season, I believe, but uh, it seems like they have an excuse now not to play him against left-handers so much. So it's going to affect some of these guys. And this is again assuming that everybody stays healthy. We know that there are a few different players in this lineup that have had trouble staying healthy so it'd be interesting to see how they move forward 
I, I'm and like I said, I'm, an, I'm a span owner. This is Tout Wars is a 15 team mixed league, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dump him. 12 team mixed league. He's you know he's <laughs> it's not even a given that he's owned. I mean he was he was hot for the past month and a half or so, give or take. And so maybe he was picked up then, was stealing, and he's been stealing a few bases. But he's certainly kind of a fringy player at best in most of mixed leagues. In a 15-team mixed league, because of the type of depth that's usually available, I'm not going to drop him. But uh, uh, but overall, it's not. Uh, it's. It, 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 I think you know time will tell. Someone else will get hurt in the meantime, or uh, someone. You know, I think Espinosa really would have to do quite a bit to to play his way into a regular arrangement for them. Yeah, and having a little depth isn't going to hurt him, and especially as yeah, as old and injury prone as some of the players are, having a little depth I don't think will hurt him one bit. Yeah, yeah, because this is a team that, uh, if, if assuming everything goes well for them, this is a team that wants to get deep into the postseason. So I think that they're they're not going to be, um, they're not going to be, they're not. I don't think they're going to look to make any moves to fracture any of that depth. At, at the very least, they want to get continue to give themselves those opportunities to make this play out. Uh, if they lose someone, they certainly have at least a little bit of depth to continue to make themselves players. I want to talk about a couple of injury situations just real quickly. Um, actually, primarily just one, uh, is, because it's also a player uh, we've been requested to talk about uh, performance-wise. Is Danny Santana with Minnesota? Obviously, is player who was primarily a middle infield prospect, a shortstop prospect for a good part of his <clears throat> a good part of his rise to the minor leagues and has really kind of taken the league by storm, was hitting incredibly well uh, with Minnesota. 328 average, 366 OBP, a 448 slugging percentage. So he, and he has the two home runs, six stolen bases. I think – and uh, but he, he has hit the disabled list uh, with a bone bruise in his – I think it's his left knee, but it's uh, in his knee – and so it's obviously it's a bit of a blow for folks who picked him up and turned out to be getting such great production from him. It's an opportunity to talk about. I mean, it doesn't sound like a serious injury, but it is an opportunity to talk about his performance and uh, you know how real is, how real we see it as being. I, I've kind of maintained that I, at some point, I was sure that his performance was going to come back down to earth, and uh, just kind of he he persistently defied that expectation, um, and and. Uh, I don't think I'm in the minority to think that way, but do you, Jeff, what are, what are your thoughts on Santana as an AL only player? Clearly this is a guy who's been known in that league for a little while. He's, I mean, but at this point he's been a mixed league commodity. What are your thoughts on Santana? He got some regression coming. I think he's kind of doing what he always had done. He's got some speed, so he's going to get on base. He's going to have a higher Babbitt. Um, a 400 Babbitt rarely happens. I mean, most of the time you're looking – 380 is the league leader every year. So, I mean, just kind of looking at history, that's really tough to maintain. And he, yeah, like hitting for some power. I think he's kind of what you get. He has done it in the minors. The only thing, like I said, is batting average is kind of at a high. So you kind of could expect it to come down a little bit, I think is the one thing that people should just kind of expect from him. He's kind of hitting with the same amount of power he's always done. He's walking about the same. He's striking out about the same. Just the batting average is probably the one thing I would say that he may be closer to a 280 to 300 hitter instead of at the 330 level. Yeah, I mean, I think what what has continually stuck out to me is, I mean, there's nothing, there, there is nothing about um, his, any of his indicators, anything like that says to me that this guy is going to keep up the hitting uh, to the point where I think I mean I, I expect regression. I think to the point where maybe his final number is around 270 or so. I mean I think it's easily possible that it could be 270 or worse. I wouldn't be surprised if it sticks above that. But I think that I think fantasy owners of him should be prepared for that possibility. Uh, and I mean he's at this point in the majors he's clearly uh, outperforming any of the full season lines that he's put up in the minors. So, I mean, I, th I mean, it's, this is a player who's clear. I mean, there was, he's 23. It's about the time that he was ready to debut, but uh, really hasn't hit a uh, stumbling block, but sooner or later, he's going to hit one. The question is, how is he going to adjust? The minor league numbers suggested that, it, that there's going to be a, a serious adjustment period for him at some point. And I think that, I mean, that's, 
it's just uh, I know based on the fact that we were getting a request, this is clearly a, a player that some fantasy owners are saying, hey, is this a guy I can really depend on? Because the way he's hitting, I think I can depend on him going forward. But I, I would say that uh, if you haven't missed your window to trade him and you think you, you can still deal him, I would try to do so. But um, it's certainly not uh, certainly not a player I would look on Ryan going forward. I would have an alternative game plan uh, if I could uh, in case I can't deal him or, or figure out something else with him. And a lot of leagues deep enough and in any kind of AL, you know, deep league, he's perfectly playable. I mean, he's decent option. He's going to give you a double digit, possibly 20 stolen bases, which is pretty nice actually in most in those formats. Yeah, it is. Uh, and by the same, I mean, it, we're predicting regression. It doesn't mean he doesn't play at least in AL only. League. I mean, it's a guy you might still be able to play uh, for a good portion of the way. And uh, even if he's he's giving you that regression, as long as your team is strong in other areas, uh, that if he's contributing the occasionally stolen base, stolen base, that's going to have some value. So it's not to completely poo-poo it or anything like that. But uh, it's a great point. That uh, I mean, I, I think folks who were folks who are getting something out of him in mixed leagues, I think you're probably being a little ambitious if you think that that's going to continue. I agree. Yeah, and and wanted to give. Before we get into our two-term pitchers, it's always kind of a, a, one of our favorite highlights at the end of the program on Sundays. Je- Jeff, I just want to th- get your thoughts on uh, David Wright went for an MRI exam uh, on, and turns out diagnosis is a bruised right rotator cuff. He's clearly disappointed fantasy owners this season so far, uh, not getting type production we expect. I mean, first of all, is this evidence maybe – is this something he's been dealing with that has been affecting his production for a good portion of the season? Do you see any reason to think that this kind of thing will improve? Uh, or, you know, is this – I mean, he's not going on the disabled list. Um, is this – what's your uh, – what would you say is your outlook for Wright? I mean, as a player, I think before I had learned of his health situation, I said, oh, yeah, you know what, I think he's going to turn it around. He's, he's displayed a number of these characteristics before, and I think – yeah, I mean, overall, I think some some good numbers, maybe not what you expected, but some good numbers at the end of the season are going to be there. Now, maybe there's some reason not to be so sure. What do you think? I would like to see him go on the DL and at least rest himself or try to get whatever's the bruise healed and not continually try to play through it. I think he's had problems throughout this whole year. He just has not hit right. I've had an, an important league, and I've had to sit him right now. He was one of my only get like four keepers, and I was like, well – just working it down, he was one of them, and it was just like I said, he's unplayable at this point right now. And um, I guess you kind of have to struggle through him in some situations. But I think most, if I was an owner of him, I would, I, I, like I said, as one even. Um, I think he just needs to get healed and admit to whatever the problem is. I really think he's kind of playing through something right now i mean he, he admits he is but he needs to get it healed yeah that's i think that's the way that's kind of that was kind of my feeling i'm glad he said i mean that's based on the fact that they finally have a diagnosis of this diagnosis of the situation and there's been an admission that he's dealing with something you know, that that's uh that's a health problem um I mean, the Mets, they kind of fancied themselves as a contender this year. I don't mean to laugh and think that that was totally ludicrous. I did think that this was a team that was going to improve. Um, but perhaps, I mean, perhaps he thinks he's offering some kind of value by continuing to play through it, although the numbers suggest otherwise. Uh, he, clearly, he's disappointing. I mean, I, it's it's also, and I, I'm just going to make a presumption here that, I mean, he's walking significantly less often than he uh, typically does, about 4% less often than he has in his career uh, and that's really shown up in his OBP. And so that's, I think, has really kind of affected his uh, his stolen base attempts, but he's not been real efficient there. Obviously, this is probably going to affect his power output a little bit. It's not a great home run ballpark. I mean, it's, I think it's a case where it's probably hard to tra- it's harder to trade him now that there's clearly an injury problem here. So that's not necessarily the question. But if, if it's kind of one of those things, maybe an owner says, oh, you know what? Well, you know, at least now they know what it is and they can do, you know, they can treat him right. And so... Uh, maybe it's somebody I do want to trade for. I mean, I, I, I'm not nearly as encouraged as I was before, or not. I, I wouldn't say encouraged as I was encouraged, but uh, as optimistic as I was before that he would turn things around. Now that we have a kind of a reason for it, but uh, maybe the walk rates down because pitchers know, kind of, they they maybe kind of have a feeling that there's something wrong here. Uh, but uh, it, it, whatever it is, I mean, there's a number of things about it that don't necessarily look good. 
and it's just uh, I, I would be concerned I mean, because the, the sw- there's nothing about a swing rate uh, or anything like that that says uh, that uh, he's being more aggressive and that's why he's walking less often. Uh, he, his first strike percentage is about the same, but he is seeing a little more pitches a little more often in the strike zone. I mean, just in general, pitchers are not afraid to attack him. And so that um, that's concerning to me. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone fears him right now. It's just like, well, just pitch to him, and he can't really hit it out. And, you know, his home run for fly ball is cut in half. I mean, it's he hasn't been right. I think it was even watching him, it's pretty obvious. So it would just be nice for him to get sit down, get it healed, even if it's sitting down for the year. I think it would be best from the long run. And I hate to say reset, but it probably is not going to take him a whole – you know, the rest of the season, but a couple weeks here would probably wouldn't hurt him. Yeah. Yeah. And might, and might actually be better for the team overall. <laughs> and so, uh, it's, it's, it's that time of the time of the podcast. Uh, we want to get into just, uh, it's our opportunity to go over a couple of two term pitchers that we kind of like and or dislike, uh, for the outlook in the, uh, at, given their outlooks, uh, for the week. Jeff, anybody jump out at you, either as a guy you want to stay away from or as a guy, you uh, kind of a fringy guy you'd really like to throw in there if you have the chance? One guy I'm staying away from, I actually dropped him in a league. Um, really he- strikeout heavy, and I had a decent staff as Matt Latos. He's just pitching horrible. He's, he's His actual ERA isn't bad, but, I mean, he's striking out only six per nine. His walks are, like, around three. He's down two miles an hour. Um, it's a redraft league. Just like I said, a really shallow one. I have decent pitching. It just was like, I can't. Um, it, he just wasn't going to be able to produce at the level of the rest of my pitching staff. And I kept around the whole time, looked at him when he came back, and just had to make the decision to go. And he's got two starts this week. And Hey, I was just, one is against I the would, Padres, man. That's like the holy grail of, of, of starts. <laughs> Oh, I'm probably going to pay for it, but it was just one of those deals where he's just one you he hasn't turned it around yet, and um, I think a lot of people will. They'll see that. I think by the end of the week, the line might not be that good. Yeah. No, I think. I mean, it's interesting you bring. I mean, uh, but your reasoning is sound. That if you drop Latos, if it's a shallow league and you're not real comfortable in a lot of the numbers, I mean, this is a pitcher that concerned me coming in, uh, coming back from. Uh, kind of dealing with a couple of injuries here before you finally came back into the rotation for missed about two and a half months. Um, so I can, I think under the circumstances is understandable. Um, I think uh, overall, I mean, any, any two start week that has, that includes the Padres, but again, he's also going to be facing Milwaukee. Who's actually been a lot better on the road. Uh, I have to go over the numbers again, but I mean, that's a pretty fearsome lineup and Cincinnati is, one of the better ballparks to be doing their hitting in. Um, so that's, I mean, you may pay for it overall in the week. And uh, so don't be, don't be overly surprised uh, if that happens. I think that's, that's not a bad recommendation for a guy to stay away from. Um, I, I, the guy that intrigues me is Jared Cosart has been pitching really well lately. Um, not, a, <laughs> uh, not, not an ideal situation uh, uh, pitching at home against Seattle and then at, at the angels. Uh, but uh He's a pitcher who's intrigued me, intrigued me a little bit. I'm, I might end up throwing him uh, in at least the start against Seattle. They have, despite the fact that they lean kind of left-handed heavily, they have not hit uh, right-handed pitchers extremely well this season. So that's a guy I'm kind of, kind of, kind of monitor and see if uh, in, a, in a daily league I'm throwing. Uh, but uh, uh, there's not too many, not too many otherwise. We've talked about Taiwan Walker. He's a little bit of a guy you want to, you probably want to. Uh, be cautious with at least in the initial period uh, but otherwise i think it's kind of uh par for the course for those uh <clears throat> excuse me for uh, your al starters and for uh, nl ones uh i don't see any reason that uh i mean i really like jeff Locke this week two starts at home arizona and philadelphia and uh alex wood two starts at home against new york mets and the arizona diamondbacks i think those are two outstanding pitchers uh, as far as the matchups go uh, but uh, yeah, that looks one I really like. The other one I looked at, um, Wade Miley, somewhat interesting. I don't know if he's might be owned. Someone might be able to pick him up for yeah, uh, yep. a couple of starts. He's available in my in my fifteen team mixed league. So clearly, so I mean the numbers haven't been great. But yeah, that's not a bad 
sorry, go ahead. Uh, I mean, he does. He's there's a clear chance for availability there. Yeah, and the last one that kind of interested me was Danny Duffy. Got a couple of them. He may be available. I was just kind of looking at ones. I mean, you have the obvious. David Price is going to be owned by someone. But Danny Duffy, he may be available. Might be one you can um, get a couple starts against Minnesota and at Cleveland. He's against um, Kluber in the second one. But really the Cleveland lineup isn't the greatest. So he might be able to give you some decent numbers this week. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, the, the Indians are particular, in particular struggled against left-handed pitching. So that could turn out to be a really good week for Duffy. He's a guy that I'm, I'm kind of fond of, actually. He's really grown on me. So a couple of great choices there, I think, uh, as you said. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this week turns out um, because the number of situations and changes and players coming back. It's going to be an interesting week uh, and a number of bullpens. So uh, I just want to thank Jeff Zimmerman once again for coming on with us. Uh, does As everyone knows, the MASH report, some great work on injuries and things like that, uh, injury research. Really appreciate appreciate you having, having you on, Jeff. And uh, uh, want to let folks know what you're working on this upcoming week and uh, where they can find your work. Um, actually, tomorrow I'll have a two-part series going up at the Hardball Times on Tommy John surgeries. Kind of look at it, see what the questions are, see what research needs to be done. And um, kind of just keeping up on injuries. That was that one's been big. It's like I said, I've got two parts coming up there, so um, that's been, kind of been my big one, kind of relieving on that. And then I'll start working on um, some other stuff then. Oh wow, that sounds exciting. Uh, I think uh, we, as we know, Tommy John surgery has been a big topic. It's it continues. It becomes a bigger topic. It seems like almost every year, and it's been a huge one this year. So I think that that's a series that uh, readers and listeners should really keep an eye out for, uh, because I think any insight we can get into that. So that's that should be great. Another uh, great article series to be keeping your eyes out for. Thank you very much, Jeff, again for joining us. Uh, we look forward to having you again on sometime, some other time on the show. And uh, appreciate it as always. This has been the Sleeper and the Bust, episode number one thirty-five, and we look forward to speaking with you again next time, listeners. Take care. Thanks.